Sweet Talk is a weekly 20-minute podcast brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. This podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts, and the format is conversation. We're having conversations with businesses, professionals, entrepreneurs, community agencies, and in all cases, difference makers. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So subscribe today. Take 20 minutes and hear from people living in your community who are making a difference in your community. It's time to get started with Sweet Talk. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Batalden with uh, Continuing Education Workforce Training at ISU here at the College of Technology. And uh, welcome or hello to Sweet Talk. Um, Paul, you're on the show with us today. How are you doing? As always, I'm doing fine today. How are you today? Doing good. Now, do we need to warn everybody that you're going to probably get interrupted at some point by your uh, two yeah, little four-footed yeah. uh, roommates, right? You know, or because housemates. of COVID, we're doing this at home, and I'm I'm here at home, and my my housemates are grocery shopping. So at some point, I'm going to be barraged by Yorkie barking. Just, <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> he'll hit the mute button as quick as he can, and we'll get him I, back I on. will. I will. <laughs> That's right. No, I, I think everyone wants me to share that, don't they? Yeah, right. Oh, I don't know. Well, I'm running the same problem too. Uh, my my ha- my workmate is probably going to get real sick and tired of laying here on the floor here in a minute. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about today, Paul. Is it? Really? No, I know. <laughs> uh, we have Ray Lynn on the show, and when Ray Lynn's on the show, we know that we're going to have an excellent conversation about smart stuff. So, Ray Lynn, welcome. Way to smarter Sweet- than us. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but Ray Lynn, uh, we're glad to have you on today. But you've got a you got a big event coming up here, and uh, we definitely want to make sure that we get get uh, get some information on about that. Yes, we are super excited. We have an emergency medicine conference coming up April 30th and May 1st. Last year, we had to cancel due to COVID, and we are just super excited um, and very positive that it's going to happen this year. So um, that's April 30th, May 1st. Registration opens on March 15th. This will be located on the ISU campus, and it's a mere $20. It's a bargain for those um, And that is because Portneuf Medical Center has been willing to come in and be our title sponsor to be able to help keep the cost down low for everybody. Um, We have brought in an excellent keynote speaker, Eric Bauer. He is the CEO of FlightBridge. He's very well known in the emergency medicine world. And so we are excited to have him coming for the conference as well as our talented physicians and presenters and speakers from all over um, Southeast Idaho. We even have another speaker coming in from New York. So excited. Yeah. Well, it'll be cool just to have this event up and running again, won't it? It's such a a vital and important event for our area to start with. And then unfortunately due to last year, you know, of course, like everything else. Right. But um, so it's just exciting to have it going this year and it should be an excellent event. And you have a special guest on our podcast today that you uh, we you, we brought on to talk about some of the cool things. So Raylin, introduce her. Or, yes, thank you. We have Heather McGeehan with us from Portneuf Medical Center. She is um, over in the stroke program at Pocatello. Uh, I'm sorry, Portneuf Medical Center. <laughs> I was going to say. 
Pocatello Regional Medical Center, which is what it was many, many years ago. So, but uh, Portniff Medical Center. So we are so happy to have Heather here with us. Hi, I'm super excited to be here. Like she said, um, my name is Heather McGann and I am the stroke coordinator here at Portniff Medical Center. I've been in this role for about two years um, and been here in Pocatello for five and been a nurse for 15 years now. I started my career um, in Pennsylvania in a small hospital outside of Philadelphia and spent about 10 years in South Carolina too. And then we, we moved here to um, Pocatello and I started to work at Portniff about five years ago. Well, that's awesome. So you're a registered nurse. Yes. Ma'am. And um, what has been your specialty area? So I have spent most of my career about 13 years in cardiovascular nursing. Um, I worked on the floor and as a charge nurse and then um, as a, a manager of the unit. Um, for several years. And then about two years ago, um, I saw this job posted for stroke coordinator at, um, and it's the first time we've ever had a position like this at Portnoff Medical Center. So um, I went ahead and applied for it because I just kind of wanted to focus my attention on one disease and one disease that I feel I hold very close to my heart. um, And that's stroke. Um, It's the fourth leading cause of um, death in America, in um, the United States. And it's just, you know, very important. And there's a lot we can do to help prevent um, and have better outcomes. That's awesome. Very cool. So, so I do have to ask, you started out on the eastern part of the country and you've come to the western part. Was that an easy transition for you a little bit or are you glad you did it or is there a part of you that can't wait to go back to the the wilds of the east, I guess? <laughs> um, I, I love it here. I didn't know that I had an aversion to so many people. I mean, (laughs) I don't know if that's the right thing to say. Um, Oh, I love it out here. Everyone is so kind and it has been the easiest transition. Um, I have family in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania that are trying to talk us into moving back. And I say, no way you can come out here. (laughs) So um, Heather, um, I am originally from uh, the Boston area. Okay. So um, I know exactly what you're saying. (laughs) Um, You you don't, you don't realize how being so in such a densely populated area is so um, draining Mm -hmm. until it's no longer there. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's actually so refreshing to have, you know, when I got out here, the one thing I went and going, there's so much space. (laughs) (laughs) And there is no traffic, no matter what anyone says, there is no traffic. (laughs) I I know people around here, they complain about the traffic and I just go, really? (laughs) Do you know what you're talking about? (laughs) Traffic jams in Pocatello. Right, right. (laughs) But um, Heather, going back to um, your position at the at Portniff Medical Center, um, I, I, you know, I'm not in the me- a medical profession. What does a stroke coordinator do? Oh, you know, that's a good question, and that's you know something I had to wrap my head around about two years because. 
two years ago when I started um, and I had to research what I was supposed to be doing because I was the first person ever here at Port, at Poca, you know, at Portniff to do this position. So I found out really quickly how I wanted to do it. And we call stroke alerts on all of um, any patient that comes in with stroke-like symptoms that was last seen normal within 24 hours. So we um, we call those alerts overhead and we have a multidisciplinary team come to it. And my key role in that is I help facilitate the patient getting over to CT or help get them TPA faster because with a stroke, every, you know, every minute that you go without getting treatment is tissue that dies. And it's considered a time sensitive emergency. So once it begins and your symptoms happen, you have a very limited time that we can treat the stroke. In fact, we only have four and a half hours to give you some critical medication known as TPA. Um, So getting to the hospital very quickly is absolutely the important and vital in, in anyone who's having a stroke. Um, so I go to all of those while I'm in house and um, I round on patients and do education with them to help prevent strokes from reoccurring. And then I collect a lot of data to see how we did and what we can do better. And I, I run a stroke committee with um, people like Dr. Bailey and Dr. Curtis Sandy in the emergency room and and Dr. Francis in the emergency room and Brandon Clark, the ED director, and a, a lot of people to help see if there's anything that we can do better in the care of stroke patients. So we meet every month and review cases and um, are always seeing what we can do better to, to treat patients faster. Okay, so... Um, oh. Well, again, because I'm not a medical, I would imagine that most of your patients that you, that, you know, start, probably start in possibly the trauma center or the emergency ward. Um, So do you work closely with that? Because I I would imagine that most people just have an illness. They don't even know, they're not even aware that it is a stroke until they walk into those emergency room doors. Is that correct? You know, I think that, you know, the American Stroke Association has put out a lot of education and we're all hospitals and and healthcare facilities. We're trying to make it very aware of if you're having a stroke. So a lot of people, patients actually come in via the EMS, which is the best thing that they can do because the faster they get here, the quicker we can do what we need to, to help give them the medicine, give them TPA. So there, you know, we teach, um, from the American Stroke Association, the acronym FAST. We want, if you notice that you have face droop, arm weakness, uh, or speech disturbance, it's time to go to the ER, time to call 911 and get in. That's great. So do you find that a lot of people, when they're coming in, they have, um, recognized that acronym or is that something Um, common? Yeah, I think that there is definitely improvement. And then, you know, there are some people who say, I've been, I had this for two days and I finally decided to come in. And then, you know, once, you know, once you have a stroke going for that long, there's not a lot that we can do to acutely, you know, treat, 
treat a patient. So we want to encourage everyone, if you have have those symptoms, come in right away. And our EMS does, you know, the EMS in town does a great job with, they call um, the hospital before the patient even gets here so that our team is ready to treat these patients. Our ER physicians actually meet the patients out in the ambulance bay. And if their vital signs are stable and they're breathing on their own, we go straight to CT. Um, because we need these these images of their brain to make sure that they don't have a bleed. Because you, if you have a bleed, we wouldn't want to give you TPA because that would make it bleed. That would make things significantly worse. So before we ever give that medicine, we need to get you straight to the CT scanner. That's great. Um, the Dr. Bailey talked to us about the interventional radiology side of that, and so if they're able to remove the clot, you know, that's a great option as well. Um, And how often do you see that compared to uh, using the TPA drugs? So with the clot removal that Dr. Bailey is referring to, it's it's a stroke and what we call, we, we, we can call them a large vessel occlusion. So we see those about, you know, at least every month where a TPA patient, you may be a TPA candidate, um, but you don't have a large vessel occlusion. It's in a more like smaller artery in your brain or in the back of your brain where they wouldn't be able to go in with a catheter, but we could still break it up with TPA. Um, And the best practice, if you do have um, a large vessel occlusion is we wanna give you TPA and we wanna do a a mechanical, a thrombectomy on you. the, the Dawn and Diffuse trials that they've done have shown that using both mes- methods, um, TPA and clot removal, will have the best outcomes for the patients. That's cool. You said something interesting in uh, kind of in your introduction that um, the treatment, you know, obviously you said the strokes are the fourth leading cause of death. <laughs> Um, of America, you know, in the United States. Um, and then you kind of alluded to you, this is a kind of a passion for you to, for this sort of work that you're in. What, what did you uh, mean by that, I guess, or where did this passion come from? You know, <laughs> I work with cardio, you know, on a CV floor, but you, we take care of a lot of patients. And I, you get a certain type of patient um, who has atrial fibrillation. And a lot of times people will just stop taking their medications. And when you have atrial fibrillation, if, you're, if your blood isn't thin, you're at risk for, sh- for a stroke. And it was really taking care of a patients that have had a stroke and seeing the things that they go through. And it's really just, it's not just about the patients, about the family that's going to take care of them when they go home. Um, It's just, it's something that is preventable if we're very good you know there's a lot of education that needs to go out about making sure you take the medications that are prescribed that you have low cholesterol control of your diabetes um that we can get that education out to help prevent strokes from occurring um and then you know the the treatment of getting these patients in quickly and recognizing those symptoms and coming in fast is the best the best likelihood for a, a good recovery 
Heather, um, you mentioned uh, education is probably the best, you know, preventative. Um, does Portniff uh, Medical Center have any sort of educational um, in place for the community? You know, that's a great question. And that's something that we might not, we haven't formally got out to the community, but I believe it's May is um, National Stroke Awareness Month. And we want to make sure that we get some, some education out just like we do for heart disease um, and make sure we're offering that. So I think we're going to, we're going to push really hard to make sure we have that, that education out to the community. We do a lot of education in the hospital once you have a stroke and we have physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, everyone really working as a team once you've had the stroke, but we definitely will be offering a little bit more um, out to the community here. Heather, and, and, and I guess maybe even for Raylan too. So here's the total layman's question. Are strokes entirely preventable? Um, and and I'm only, I guess where that question came from was in your earlier comment, you know, you talked about all these other conditions that uh, make individuals, I guess, prone or uh, vulnerable to having strokes. Um, is, uh, is a stroke entirely preventable through proper physical care? Uh, and met, I don't know, I guess that's just, that, that might be the dumbest question of the day, but I'm just had to toss it out. <laughs> No, I, you know, I don't think they're entirely preventable. I think there's things that we can do to take care of ourselves to help reduce the risk of having a stroke. Because sometimes um, our goal when you get in the hospital and once we do all the emergent stuff, we want to try to find the cause. And sometimes we can't figure out the cause of the stroke. Even, you know, we run all the tests that we can think of and, you know, it, it can't, we can't always figure out why you got a clot in your brain, but we, mm-hmm. we try our best too. So I don't think it's a hundred percent preventable, but I think we can definitely decrease the number. Right. And like you said, you know, that early recognition and recognizing that it is time sensitive emergency, you know, that is actually the theme of our conference. So it fits so well into oh, that, wow. that time sensitive emergency and getting that help, you know, recognizing and then getting the help. And um, so is there anything that, like as far as um, uh, details about early recognition and the difference in outcomes that you'd like to tell people about? You know, for, for the early, re- I mean, the reason we want this early recognition is because then we can offer you the medication, TPA, the, you know, the clot busting medicine. Um, the studies have shown that if you receive TPA within 4.5, four and a half hours from your last known well, you're, you might not even have that immediate, oh, my symptoms all resolved, but the studies have shown that you'll have faster improvement within three to six months if you receive that medicine. So we just, you know, we want everyone to come in right away um, and just act fast. You know, I don't think we can say it enough facial droop, arm weakness, speech disturbance, it's time to come to the ER, time to call 911. Sounds great. I know that at um, the EMS night out that uh, your team talked about some of the rural areas and what you were doing to help to support those rural areas and helping those people get the treatment as quickly as they could. Uh, Maybe mention that a little bit. 
Yeah, so um, we we definitely, I'm part of um, uh, the Idaho Regional time-sensitive emergency team. Um, and we meet every two months. Um, Dr. Sandy runs that team and Greg Vickers with the trauma program. Um, and we talk about um, STEMI, stroke, and trauma and what we can do to support each other. And we share best practices. So almost all those facilities have the ability to um, give TPA and we work with them to have standard processes to help them get their, you know, their patients to us quickly if they are um, having an, a large vessel occlusion so that our IR team can come in um, rapidly and, you know, get their lab ready and have those patients on the table um, really fast. <laughs> That's so cool. Very awesome. You know, I, I shared this in the with in the podcast with Dr. Bailey, and I so I don't want to. I feel kind of weird sharing it again, but my father had a stroke this last summer, um, and uh, it was here. In, I live in Idaho Falls. He lives in Idaho Falls, and uh, we were able to get him into the hospital. I tell the story that my mom called me at ten thirty on Sunday morning and said, "Dad was on his way to the hospital." Um, you know, I ran, I was able to sit with her in the emergency room and at 1145, the physician came out and said that they had removed a, a clot from his brain. And um, I, I shared with Dr. Bailey, I said, you know, the funny thing is, you know, he's down in Arizona right now golfing. And when you think about uh, the fact that he had a, a rice kernel size clot in his brain, um, you know, in late August, um, and now he's uh, functioning very well, that says something to, uh, you know, and I'm your techniques and, uh, um, you know, the, how well prepared teams are and, and stroke uh, teams are in hospitals to address those issues. So, um, you know, I, it, it is amazing to me. I remember, you know, it's an amazing thing to think that um, you have this at one time could have been, if not uh, fatal, least life debilitating experience. And, and now he's as grumpy and as ever. So, you know, <laughs> so Jason, did he recognize the symptoms or did um... they, they were coming out of church and he handed my mom the keys and said, I'm not feeling well, you better drive. And as mom was coming around the car to get the keys from him, he fell down on the ground. Oh. Um, and lucky for, you know, I, lucky, I don't know that it, it was after church. So the parking lot was full and, um, you know, a bunch of people ran over and one of the people running over had their cell phone out dialing 911 before anyone even said to call 911. And the church they were attending was less than five minutes away from the hospital. So, I mean, you go back to time. Um, time was a crucial player in that. So uh, that's how it went down. Right. And um, so I don't know if we identified, I don't know if anyone identified that he was having a stroke, you know, as much as they watched a, an old grumpy guy fall down in the parking lot, you know, somebody was had to wear enough to be to, to dial 911. So I yeah. had a friend share with me, she's um, probably in her forties and was under a tremendous amount of stress at work and actually felt like she was having a stroke. And so she went to the emergency room. <laughs> Unfortunately, she was not having a stroke. And she said, I feel kind of silly. She said, but I'm so glad that I went um, just in case. She mm -hmm. said, because, you know, she recognized, she knew that how important it was. Um, 
So you should never feel foolish, right? If you um, go in and you have symptoms and you're thinking, but yet it doesn't turn out to be that, that's okay, right? Uh, no, yeah. I think you're right, Raylan. I think so many people just fluff it off going, I, I just don't feel well today. Uh, maybe I'll feel better tomorrow after I, after a good night's sleep. Right. Um, and I, I never heard of that, uh, um, was fast until you've mentioned it, yeah. Heather. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to remember that now, um, is how could I not, how could I not remember it now? Um, and, and I'll look for those symptoms. I mean, that's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, most people, most, again, most people just go, I'll feel better after I, I have a night's night's rest. Um, or no, I, it's something I ate. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so Heather, I guess kind of going to just touch on your point. Um, there is something about I, going back to what you commented about is being in a profession that significantly uh, impacts the well, the quality and the well-being of someone's life. I imagine that that does kind of help the, help you get out of bed in the morning on those days you're maybe not in the mood to go to work. I suppose. Yeah, you know, I. Uh... It, it, you know, it fills my bucket. It really does. <laughs> right um, it, it fills my bucket. You know, I got three kids at home and knowing that I'm going into work and feeling like I'm making a difference. It, it really, you know, makes, makes me feel better about leaving them at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that was the magic timer. Um, and we, I, I don't know if that felt like 20 minutes. So <laughs> And Heather, I appreciate you being uh, kind of my therapist today and let me share again, <laughs> share about my father's trauma experience. So thank you. Well, I, I, I feel a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. What'd I said, say? I'm glad he's out golfing. <laughs> yeah, so am I. So am I. You know, so am I. Uh, I think that's good. But so, um, Raylan, I just want to kind of toss out again, uh, we, April 30th, May 1st, the Emergency Medicine Conference. Um, and Heather, will you be, you'll be at that conference, I'm assuming. I'm planning on being uh, a part of it. Yeah. I just put you on spot, Heather. I, 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 I was going to be there with <laughs> Dr. Bailey, whether, um, okay. <laughs> to help assist with what he needs either way. So right on. And I'm assuming too, Heather, if anyone has any questions, uh, just about stroke or, um, to reach out to Portland medical center, uh, you know, Google on the website, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm sure you have, uh, people there that will love to share information with them and, and help them uh, learn more about it. So um, I can't tell you, thank you for being on our show today. And, thank you for uh, having yeah. And what, one last time, what was that again? Fast, act fast, facial, facial droop, arm weakness, speech disturbance, time to call 911. Excellent. There we go. <laughs> and if you want information about anything else, but stroke, you can contact us at cetrain.isu.edu. That is cetrain.isu.edu. Or you can call us at 208-282-3372. And if you have questions and, about strokes and treatment of strokes, and uh, that's when you get a hold of people like Heather McGeehan and uh, the Portland Medical Center. So, uh, Ray Lynn, thank you for guiding us on this podcast. And thank you for yes, thank you. asking the the question, the right questions and Heather appreciate you tolerating Paul and I and the boy, what do we do now? Questions. So that was, <laughs> we appreciate that. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.